Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Abs Niblock. If you've got your Bible, open it with me to Genesis chapter 26. Now, I'm going to read the first bit quite quickly because it sets the context, but it's not fully relevant with where we're going. So let me read it to you. Now, there was a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerea. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. For you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them I will give them all of these lands and through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerea. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister because she was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place, he thought might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is so beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from the window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. And so Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? And Isaac answered, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this that you have done? One of the men might have well have slept with your wife and that would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech said, gave the order to all the people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall be surely put to death. Isaac planted crops in that land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. Let me just pause there. So Isaac is a foreigner. In this land, he was heading somewhere else and the Lord appeared to him and said, stay here, live here, and I will be with you. The very fact that Isaac was there and planted seeds meant that he knew he was going to be there, not just for a couple of weeks, but he was going to plan as if that was his final destination. He planted seeds. He watered those seeds. He harvested those seeds. And in a time of famine, Isaac was blessed a hundredfold. I mean, how frustrating would it be if this guy comes and plants seeds and reaps a hundredfold and the rest of you are planting seeds and barely reaping anything because the land is in a famine? And Isaac stayed there. He was obedient to what the Lord had asked him to do. And yet through no fault of his own, nor nor engineering of his own, God had blessed him. 
Until it came to the point where he was so prosperous that people were envious of him and he was moved on. He had done nothing wrong. He hadn't annoyed anyone. There is no, um, there is no account of arguments or, or strife from Isaac. There is just an account of I'm doing what the Lord has asked me to do. And yet all of a sudden he gets moved on. I don't know if you have been in that season where all of a sudden there's something that you thought was going this way, all of a sudden changes. And you get displaced or you get moved on. Maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the house that you thought you were buying. They've just pulled out. Please tell me that just didn't happen just to me. But I I was heading this way and all of a sudden, through no fault of myself, I have been moved on. It can feel, at best, confusing. But at worst, it can feel really cruel. It's like, God, all I did was exactly what you asked me to do. How am I now being evicted from something I didn't do anything wrong for? And this is the scenario Isaac finds himself in. And as Christians, you know, sometimes we just need to face the facts that, yeah, I'm confused by this. We like to put like a nice scripture over things and that's good. But sometimes it's just like, I don't understand this. I was doing what I thought God had asked me to do. I was living my life the way God had asked me to live. And yet all of a sudden, this has happened. Maybe we've been shaken, possibly. Maybe disappointed. Maybe bruised, potentially. But there's no account of Isaac having a tantrum. Isaac just moves on. Isaac just moves on. You know, the hardest type of change for any of us to um, navigate in our life is the change that we didn't choose. A change that's been afflicted on us. A change that we didn't ask for this, nor did we plan for this, nor did we really want this. That is the hardest type of change. But what are you going to do? Sooner or later, you and I have to put our shoulders back and go, well, okay, I'm going to carry on building the life that I believe I'm called to do. I'm I'm going to carry on doing the best that I can in this situation. I'm going to carry on living and sowing and obeying, and I'm just going to carry on. And that's exactly what Isaac did. Isaac carried on. So it says, so Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerea. And settled there. Isaac opened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names that his father had given. You know, wells are not just um, a source of water. Wells were um, the hub of the community. It's where everyone would meet in the morning. It's where you would go to um, draw water for your flocks. It's where you would gather around. People would build communities around wells. And so wells were not just like a tap, like we have an instant tap now of like, oh, I need some water. I'm going to go to the drink, drinking fountain. Psh- it's on. Wells was something that people had to travel to. And when they found a well... They would build a whole community, a whole infrastructure around that life-giving source. And so Isaac reopened this well that Abraham's servants had dug many years before. 
And the plan was that Isaac was going to give um, this well the same name that his father had given to him. Now, Isaac knew that God was with Abraham. Isaac knew that God was for Abraham. Isaac knew that God had promised Abraham things. And so there is an element that's going, I want to honor the past, knowing that the success of my future is to do not with my ability, not with, with how good I am, but it's actually to do with the blessing of God on my life. And so I need God involved from the outset. So I'm going to go and return to the last thing that I saw God do for for my family. I'm going to name this well the same name that Abraham named him when God was blessing him. But things started to go wrong. It said this, Isaac's servant Isaac's servants dug in the valley in verse 19 and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen in Gerea quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen. And said, this water is ours. And so he named the well Esek. Esek means to dispute. In some versions it said, the well of contention. There was this fresh water flowing. There was community being gathered. There was things being built. There were people drinking of this water and yet this well was the well of contention or the well of dispute. You remember that Isaac had been displaced through no fault of his own. And I'll be honest, when I have been wronged through no fault of myself, when I have been the innocent party, it's very easy to build community and to build conversations with other people who have had a similar experience. And they can soothe my wounds and I can soothe their wounds. And we find great comfort in doing that. There is something very healing about I'm not the only person that has been through that. There's something very reassuring that... You went through that and look, you're still doing great, like you're building a great life. But where many of us get stuck is we just build a community around that issue or around that dispute. And we gather more and more people to talk about more and more of the things that maybe we're not happy with or the wrongs that we were were served through no, no fault of our own. And Isaac had the foresight to go, this well... This community that is quickly establishing this source is never going to end well because it has started in dispute. It has started in conflict. And Isaac moves on. It would have been easy for Isaac to stay there. It would have been understandable if Isaac had stayed there. But Isaac moved on and reopened a second well. And I think that's... Maybe a reflection, I think that's good for all of us to go, yeah, we can gather around those things. We can gather around the things that maybe have hurt us and we can find encouragement that other people have been through. But what we really need is for someone else that maybe has been through something similar or maybe is going through something similar is to not allow us to camp there, but to help us to get back on our feet and help us to move on. Because if we camp there, 
We become cynical. We become bitter. We see wrong in everything. We become suspicious of everyone. And sooner or later, we actually find ourselves in a place that we never, we never dreamt that we would be in. We need those people to come around us and help us back to our feet and say, yeah, you were wronged, but this isn't going to serve you well. Let's move on to find fresh water. Let's move on to find a better source. And they moved on. And Isaac, it said um, in verse 21, then they dug another wall, uh, another well. Uh Uh-oh, but this one they quarreled at. They quarreled over it, and so he named it Sitna. They quarreled at the second well. Like, like sometimes I think God must be there going, you are such spoiled brats. Like seriously, you're now quarreling? I blessed, you, I blessed Abraham. I've told you I'm with you. You've now become like people of conflict and people of quarrel. In one version it says, um, it means opposition. I don't know if you're watching Gladiators. Anyone watching Gladiators? Yes. Well, I was late to the party. I mean, I was like an avid fan growing up. I forgot it had restarted. So last night with the two oldest boys, I was like, guys, we're going to watch this amazing program. I well overhyped it. They were a bit like, okay. And I was like, this is where they're going to say, Gladiators, ready. And he's a Welshman now. Uh, anyway, and they were like, okay, mum. And one of them's like, who's the contestants? I was like, them, but they're friends now. And then they pit each other against each other. And they were like, okay. And I was like, oh, is the jet. Like, and I was doing all the moves and like the hair flicks. And the kids are like, when's dad back? But we were watching Gladiators last night. And um, I don't know if you've watched it. Like, I, I think it was probably as bad when I was growing up, but I just wasn't aware and I was like, oh, I remember it being like so much like more authentic, but okay, Viper. Is it Viper? I was like, oh. So one of the, one of the kids is like, oh, he's really mean. I was like, he's probably not in real life. They were like, what? I was like, oh, no, I let you, let you believe that he's like the new wolf. Does anyone remember wolf? Yes. There's more response over gladiators, guys. But there was one thing on Gladiators. Now, I don't know whether I was watching last night or the week before. I haven't got a clue. But um, there was one thing over Gladiators where you have to run through three different Gladiators to get to, like, the end zone. Anyone see it? Was that last night or the week before? Anyway, this one guy. And by the way, the contestants are, like, so feeble. Do you not think? I was like, where's the muscles, guys? Like, you're never going to beat him. He's six foot six. And like when he does this, like all these muscles come out. I was like, I didn't even know you could get muscles there, but you can. And they have to run through these, um, like these stages. And so there's a gladiator here, there's a gladiator here, there's a gladiator here. And then they have to get to the end zone. And uh, the first male contestant does it. Yay, whoa. The second male contestant, I don't know, some little like scuffle happens and this one gets disqualified and... Then they have to run through it and he's holding him and you're not allowed to hold him so he gets disqualified. So he ends up getting to zone three and the guy in zone three, I mean like, I think his name was Giant actually. Um, I was like, Giant? Oh, that's a good name. Like, where's Panther and where's, you know, all these like, anyway. And um, he basically pushes this guy all the way back to where he started from. And the crowd is going wild and they're like, yeah, that's not allowed to happen. 
But as I was like, I was like, that's what it's like when you live in opposition. That we think we're the contestant, but actually sometimes we can be the gladiators pushing everything back. We always see the worst case scenario. We always bring people down to earth. We always like belittle what might be happening in their life. We become, if we camp around this, um, this well of quarrels, we become so quick to push people down and push people away. And before you know it, they're back to where they started. And all they really wanted to do was to get through. Now, we all have hurdles in life. And some of the biggest hurdles are in our own mind. We're like, I'm not sure I can do this. Well, the Spirit of God says you can. I'm not sure I can really speak up. Well, the Spirit of God says he's not given you a spirit of timidity, but he's given you a spirit of boldness, of power, and of sound mind. And all these oppositions that come Actually, we can manifest them for other people. And Christians can be the worst. Like, we should be the best. We should be the ones, like, cheering people on. But actually, we can become so bitter and so negative. We are not called to camp and build a community around bringing people down, bringing other people down, bringing ourselves down, quarreling over what maybe um, Paul calls disputable matters. When all said and done, does this one really matter? No. Then let's build a good community, a community that will lift up, not pull down. And so Isaac finds himself in this place and Isaac once again says, I am moving on. And he moved on from there. And he dug another well, and no one quarreled. Hallelujah. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room. We will flourish in this land. In one version it says, Now the Lord has given us a wide open space. We will prosper in this land. A wide open space. Imagine if Isaac and all his people had camped to the first well. A well of conflict, a well of contention. Imagine if they'd gone, okay, well, we'll plant another, okay, well, we found another one. Well, we're just going to become this like quarrelsome group of people that's always going to bring people through, bring people down. Imagine if they had never had the wisdom to keep on digging until they found a place of peace. The truth is, if you're an established Christian in here, there are occasions where you and I have to overcome something so that the generations coming up under us, the generations being added to us, don't have to face the quarrels and the opposition that you and I should have dealt with. If you and I camp at those communities and other people are added, they borrow our issues. How much more beautiful would it be if we have dealt with those things and find ourselves in a land of peace? How much more wonderful it is when people get added to a wide open space? I am a country girl, Dave is a city boy. And one of the things that I find hardest living in the, in the city is there's no space up ahead. I'm like, where is the sky? Dave's like, what are you on about? 
I'm like, the sky, it's gone. Like, all I can see is buildings. I love to see the sky. Some of the best things, like the way I process, I'm out in the open. Like, preferably with no mobile signal. I love to be out in a wide open space. It gives me fresh air. It helps me have a new perspective. It lets me see new possibilities. It enables me to dream again or maybe have a different way of looking at that or maybe pray prayers that I wouldn't have prayed if I had been confined. And Isaac finds himself in this wide open space. I want to encourage us all If we've been walking with God any length of time, let us not just get stuck on the things that will build a small life, but let us press through. Because the Bible does say the fields are ripe for harvest. And if there's a harvest time coming, which by the way is the busiest time in in the calendar. We can plant seeds, we can water seeds, but the harvest time, that's when it really gets busy. There is a harvest coming. Let them come into a clean space. Let them come into a storehouse that's free for them to metaphorically see the sky and see the possibilities and see what God can do and what God is able to do. But what's interesting to me is that Isaac didn't stay there long either. It says this, from there he went, Isaac went up to Bathsheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him. I mean, why on earth didn't Isaac stay? If this was good, I would like a wide open space of fresh possibilities, of new creativity. I would like to stay in the wide open space. But Isaac pushed on because all those three wells that he had reopened were the wells that were dug by his father And there comes a point where it's like, I'm encouraged and I'm inspired about what God has done. I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm inspired and I'm spurred on by what God is doing over there. But Isaac came to the point of, I don't just want to rely that God, you were with my father. I don't just want to rely on that. I want to experience you for myself. I want to know that you are with me. says that night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. And Isaac built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tents and there he dug a well. I want to say we can easily stay at these two wells. We would be well to get to the wide open space. But how much more beautiful would it be? How much more profitable it would it be if you and I actually become so desperate for the heart of God to be in my life that God, I want to experience this. I don't just want to read about it. I don't just want to be inspired, but I want to experience this for myself. I want to be like, I was alive then. I saw that with my own eyes. I was part of part of digging that. I was part of enabling that. And it says, Isaac built an altar and praised there. In other words, what did Isaac keep doing? 
He kept on praising, he kept on worshipping, and he kept on sacrificing. No one really wants to talk about those things. But I believe if he'd, if he'd lost that discipline, what happened next would never have been able to happen. If he'd lost the, the determination and the desire to praise and to worship and to sacrifice, what happened next might not have happened. It says, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech from Abimelech, oh, I've missed a word, had come to him from Gerea with Ahuzath. I mean, come on, God, give me a break. This person, uh, his personal advisor and the commander of the forces. And Isaac said, why have you come to see me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. And so we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm just as we did not molest you and always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. And then Isaac made a feast for them. And they ate and they drank. And early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. And then Isaac sent them on their way and they left in peace. Getting over well number one, getting over well number two, pressing on through well number three was all for this moment. Because this wide open space that Isaac had found himself in, this wide open, vast land of opportunity was always to prepare the way for reconciliation. And I will link that to the provision, the the incredible provision that God has enabled by getting our own wide open space. And you will have heard it said, and hopefully you will remember that the building is not what we're going for, what we're encouraged by but actually what the building is going to be enabling us to do. And that wide open space is all about the reconciliation. It's all about how can we meet your needs. I find it amazing that Isaac met their physical needs. They were still living in a land of famine and he made for them a feast. That the way that we are going to reconcile people to the heart of God is, I think, through practical meeting their practical needs so that then we can meet their spiritual needs. That the land of opportunity is right here and we could bask in it or we could realise that you and I now need to dig, that we need to carry on worshipping and carry on praising and carry on sacrificing because we're going to all need to sacrifice if we're going to be able to see something incredible happening. It says this, from verse 32. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. This was a brand new well. They said, we have found water, and he called it Sheba. And to this day, the name of the town has been Bathsheba. How amazing that Isaac was like, God, I'm thankful that you were with my forefathers, but I'm pressing on to experience you. That in his, that his heart had remained in a, in a position to, towards God so that when at the appropriate time he could reflect the heart of God 
and be part of a greatest reconciliation. That he would say, I'm not going to cause war and I'm not going to cause dispeace, but actually I'm going to meet your physical needs. And God blessed him. And he built a community there. A community found praising, a community found worshipping, a community found sacrificing. It is hugely significant for us, that room next door. It is hugely significant. I do hope, believe, pray for this city of Leeds and for this community. It is hugely significant. And do you know what they named that last well? They decided to name it seven. Or the number of completion. They decided to name it after the oath, the number of completion. The building is not the vision, the people are the vision. The building is not the wide open space. The building is a representation. We get to dig a new well. We get to dig a new well for this location. We get to dig a new well for this city. We get to dig a new well for the teenagers that right now haven't got a clue where they're heading. They don't know who they are. We get to dig a new well for the children that are being raised in our location. We get to dig a new well for the marriages that are on the verge of breaking up. We get to dig a new well so that people wouldn't be just connected with 98 Kirkster Road or 31 Burley Road. People would be connected with the heart of God. Can we be committed to being the people that dig? See, digging is hard work. Even drawing water is hard work. They have to lower something down. They have to pull something up. You know, it's hard for us to comprehend that because we have running water. We can go to many different rooms in this own building and the tap will come on. But to have to dig for the source that will sustain you and your family. That's a discipline that probably none of us will really comprehend what that looks like. And the challenge is for us all to dig. In Isaiah 66, it says, I desire to live a simple life, reverently responsive to the heart of God or reverently responsive to the spirit of God. I desire to live a simple life. I don't want to get caught up building my own empire over the things that have been wronged to me. Yes, they hurt. Yes, I need help healing. But the biggest help you can do is don't let me camp there too long. Move me on. Move us on in love. I don't want to build a community just on naysayers. I don't want to pull people's ideas down. I don't want to, I don't want to block people. I want to encourage people. Where I've become cynical or bitter, where I've become just so sarcastic that people are like, she's always got a quick word to say, God, confront me with that. Move me on. Where I found myself in a wide open space, a space that represents heaven, where I can breathe again, where I can see possibilities, where God, like the opportunities are endless. God, thank you for reviving me. Let me move on to praise and to worship and to sacrifice so that my life 
our life, North Church's life, becomes famous for the power of reconciliation. That people would find themselves reconciled with God the Father. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We've run out of time.